you're looking for homeschool sanity, welcome. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author. But I was once so disorganized, I thought I had to quit homeschooling and stop having kids. Now, by the grace of God, I have six homeschool graduates. Whether we're discussing parenting, productivity, or practical tips, I pray that this episode is just what you need for happy, healthy homeschooling. Hey, homeschoolers. If you plan to cover the history of slavery and abolition anytime soon, you'll want to hear my interview with Danica Cooley. She is a lovely lady who always points us back to Christ. Before we go to the interview, I want to thank our sponsor, Reading Eggs. Is reading a top priority in your homeschool this year? Well, look no further. Reading Eggs is an award-winning online program that allows you to assess your child's current ability, track your child's progress instantly, and keep your child motivated with achievements. Not only that, but you have access to hundreds of printables to reinforce and allow your child to practice their newfound skills offline as well as bonus resources. You can be sure the interactive lessons based on scientific research will motivate your children to learn. Visit readingaches.com forward slash media angels to learn more about a free 30-day trial that provides access to up to four children to all five learning programs. That's readingaggs.com forward slash media angels. Danica, thank you so much for joining me again here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. And I know that you have just recently added some titles to your Who, What, Why series. And this is the series that we spoke about last time was designed to teach Christian history. Can you remind us more about what that series is all about and tell us then about the new titles? Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me, Melanie. Um, so Who, What, Why is about God's hand in history. Um, and we're releasing three titles at a time. So Who is a biography? What is about um, either like we did the Gutenberg Bible. So it was the printing press. Um, this one is the Underground Railroad. So it's a system that is part of a movement. Um, and then the Y title is really theology and history, like an overview. So um, I, we now more than ever, we just can see how history matters um, and how God's hand in history. It's so important that our kids understand how God is sovereign and how he impacted history through his word and through his people. So um, the new titles are about abolition. That's the movement. And uh, it's a movement that affected millions of people and was heavily based on scripture and was primarily uh, spearheaded. And uh, everybody in the movement was primarily Christian. So it's important that our kids understand that. It's important they know about it. Um, so these come out on September 12th. And uh, so it's who were the abolitionists? And rather than being uh, one biography this time, it's 10 smaller biographies. So really amazing stories. Um, what was the Underground Railroad and why did slavery end? Um, 
And of course, we know that slavery is still an issue, but globally, uh, in during the time of abolition, one out of 23 people was free. And hmm. now one out of 99 is enslaved. So we've seen a huge shift. Mm-hmm. So I think the title's fair. All right. Very good. Well, I'm interested in knowing because you could choose from so many topics for your series, so many. And so I'm interested in why you chose these topics in particular to write about. Uh, absolutely. I Again, I think abolition affected millions of people. Um, it was a huge uh, movement. And it's something that is really undercovered for kids, especially, but even for adults, it was very difficult to find the documentation to write the series for kids. So I was looking through scholarly stuff and I read thousands of pages, Um, but I think this is something you can't really understand history from the 17th to the 20th centuries, unless you understand what was happening with abolition, um, what was happening with slavery. It's, It's something that underlies all of history during that time globally. And it's so important because um, it, it not only did it affect a, a broad swath of the global population, and it was an underlying reality for people during those centuries, but because the people who brought abolition about and fought for it for 200 years, they loved Jesus, they loved their neighbors. It's a great way for our kids to see practically what it means to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. That That is um, inspiring. It's really inspiring. And I imagine that when you were doing the research on this topic for these books, you came across some stories, some information that made a big impact on you. And I would love to have you tell us what some of those um lessons some of those um stories were well the stories about uh about the abolitionists were pretty amazing um a number of them were enslaved or you know fought for their own freedom so um those were pretty incredible and how they came to christ was amazing to me um but i'm always primarily interested in um god's word or what god says about a topic and how um we live, how the application of scripture in our lives affects history. So writing um, Why Did Slavery End was really um, pretty amazing for me. And I wrote that one first because I wanted to have like a really good grasp on um, what scripture says, because people say a lot of things about what the Bible says about slavery. And there were certainly um, moments in time, like with the Canaanites, where God issued a special judgment on a particular people for the sin that they had carried out against him. But he has very specific things in scripture that he says about sin. Um, Like Exodus, it says, you shall not steal in the eighth commandment. We wouldn't normally think of that as being applicable to a person, but God did. Because in the book of the covenant, which follows the 10 commandments, um, in Exodus 21, 16, he says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him, so anyone who buys him, shall be put to death. 
So he put the um, death penalty on the slave trade right mm-hmm. there in Exodus. Um, and then throughout scripture, you you have God constraining sin. So he makes laws about slavery, um, knowing that we're going to sin, even though he told us not to do it. So like in just verses after that, God says, if you strike a slave, a male or a female, you put out its eye or break his tooth, you have to let him go free. So he constrained that sin. He put a rule on the sin that he already told people not to do, telling them, you know, if you do that, you got to let him go. And then Paul, later in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy, um, he calls it wickedness. It's it's a wicked behavior. And he said that um, he has a list in 1 Timothy 1 of um, people who are evil and enslavers is one of them. And in Greek, it's uh, man stealers. And then hmm. later in Revelation, when God is talking about uh, judgment on Babylon, he uh, says that um, he he says that they're not going to be able to sell their uh, wares, and one of those is slaves. And then it says that is human souls. So he's mm. he's again saying slaves aren't a thing that you're supposed to be selling. They're human souls and they're human souls I created in Mm -hmm. my image. So, you know, for me, that was what was most fascinating to study and most fascinating to share. And so that's where I started um, because I wanted to make sure, you know, when you're writing for eight to 11 year olds, seven to 11 year olds, you want to make sure that you're making these big statements that they're accurate. So absolutely. And you just referenced something that I wanted to ask you more about as well, because (laughs) I was wondering if you modified your topic at all, because you are writing for younger kids. I mean, the topic of slavery is upsetting. It's, it's really, really upsetting. Um, it's upsetting no matter how old you are, but it can be particularly upsetting to a younger child. So did you modify it? And then if you did or, or didn't, I guess, do you have any advice for parents who are teaching about slavery and then, of course, abolition to this age group? Yeah, absolutely. I did modify it. And we don't want kids to go around thinking that, you know, they're going to be snatched in the parking lot and sold like we, none of that. Um, right. We, I want to call sin a sin and we want to be really clear about what happened in history. We don't need to be graphic about it. So one of the things that I did was talk about how slavery is a sin. It was wicked. It was, it was outlawed by God, um, except again, as you know, as I mentioned before, there were special circumstances where God instituted as a punishment, but it still had constraints on it. Um, so uh, I talked about how it's a sin, and sin begets sin. It it proliferates, you know. So um, God orchestrated the family, and slavery broke marriage. It broke. Um, parental bonds, you know, it broke the family. And I, so one of the ways that um, I've dealt with things in this series is to use fun language, um, fun phrases, you know, um, like intelligent men wrote intelligent things um, when we're talking about 
like I, when I was talking about Phyllis Wheatley, um, she wrote these amazing poems. She was sold as a slave before she, she was missing her two front teeth. So she had to be like six. It was heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. but, um, instead of concentrating on how heartbreaking that is, we want to concentrate on, this was just her life and this is how God used her. Um, and one of the things she did is write these amazing, um, pieces of poetry and she was enslaved when she wrote them she was a kid when she wrote them um again heartbreaking but um she loved god she was saved and she wrote about jesus and she wrote about events going on at the time she lived on the street where the the boston massacre took place like she was able to see that so she wrote about that so, you know, she she wrote that. But what happened was at the time there were a lot of philosophers um, and one in particular who I knew I should look up before. I, I I don't remember his name. Hegel, Haydn, one of them. So anyway, um, he wrote that black people were not human. Now, that's a terrible thing. So instead of like focusing on that, I wrote intelligent men, wrote intelligent things that were wicked and dumb. <laughs> You know, and so they she had to go before a tribunal of people to prove men to prove that she wrote this poetry and that she was human. And she still couldn't her owner couldn't get it published in America. So they got it published in um Europe, which is much more progressive as far as, as abolition went. They were ahead of ahead mm-hmm. of schedule as far as America. America was and Brazil were both you know, really behind. So um, it was one one of the things she did as an abolitionist was help prove she was a human being. So that's pretty heartbreaking. Um, But we want our kids to know that that was going on. Um, So we didn't focus on it. You know, you don't, you touch it in history when you're talking to kids, you touch like this happened. This was awful. And this is how God helps this young woman overcome this and um she helped change the course of history Mm. i mean she helped prove that black people were humans um Mm. which is again a hard thing but um just kind of like ridiculing that idea for kids i think helps them go you know what that really was dumb like that was not it wasn't godly it wasn't smart um also philosophers maybe have ideas that aren't smart so you know Sometimes the things they say don't make any sense. And then people followed it for 200 years. We ought to think about that, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it was hard. It was hard to write, yes. but that's how I addressed that. I like that. And so then when, as parents, we are wanting to teach on this mm-hmm. subject to our younger kids, do you have any other Uh, thoughts about how we can best go about that? Well, primarily we want our kids to know that all wisdom comes from God and everything from God is in his word. So if you're going to look for wisdom on a subject, you should go to his word. So that's one of the things I love about writing the Who, What, Why series is it's so overtly Christian. It's so overtly references scripture. So Mm -hmm. I think as, as parents... Um, you know, we did literature-based learning, so we did lots of biographies and historical fiction, 
But, um, and you want your kids to know what was going on at the time and what it felt like to live in that time period, but you want to bring it back to God's word. Uh, Were they living biblically? Did they think through this biblically? Can we think through this biblically? How should we feel about this issue? How should I feel about my brothers and and sisters who have uh, different color skin than me? Like, was this philosophy, uh, did it make sense? Was it godly? Are they going to be judged for it? Did Mm -hmm. it affect history? What can I do to live out my faith um, in a way that I'm loving God and loving others as myself? So I think that's what we want to bring it back to with our kids. We can read all kinds of things with them, but we want to be careful to make sure that our worldview goes back to scripture. Yeah, I I really appreciate that reminder that you've given us uh, throughout our conversation so far. Um, So, so important. And Mm -hmm. then to go along with that, do you have any suggestions of other materials or activities that we could use to teach on this subject while we are using your books? Yeah, so I actually made lap books to go with them and those are free, yeah, and and crafts. So, you know, your kids can make little crafts because kids are such, um, they're such concrete thinkers and sometimes abstract thoughts are tough. So I made some Bible crafts and some historical crafts to help them really think through things and take those kind of abstract concepts and make them um, concrete. and I, you know, I was thinking about it because I, I did a lot of research on this topic. A lot of it was source documents um, or scholarly books, like really big books. And I found <laughs> that I went back through and read some of the um, the juvenile literature on it. And I found some of it wasn't necessarily accurate, yeah. um, much less from the worldview that we want to be presenting. So, um, but I was thinking about it and... Um, the story of um, Alada Equiano, it's, um, I wrote it down somewhere. I don't, it, it's the narrative of the life of Alada Equiano, those kind of words. If you Google it, you're going to find it. Such a good story. Um, I mean, the man was radically sla- saved. He, he was, he was stolen from Africa when he was like seven or eight, um, along with his sister. Um, And then he was enslaved as a sailor and sold multiple places. So he lived all over the world. He was attacked by seahorses. He had some really fun, incredible stories. And when he wrote the book, he wrote it from the perspective of a Reformed Christian, which Mm -hmm. I just thought was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And he doesn't include in there anything that's horribly graphic um, and his so his his perspective on Christ is is on point. I just loved the book. Um, I think that that would be a great book. Um, yeah. You know, for older kids, of course, uh, the narrative of Frederick Douglass was great. Um, they can read Sojourner Truth and um, Harriet Tubman's narratives. They have you have to know that uh, Frederick Douglass was highly critical of Christians who were hypocritical. So slave owners. So that's why I think for older kids, um, because you want to be able to talk through why he, why he was so critical and it's important to know, but, um, for younger kids, it might be confusing. Um, and then Tubman and, uh, Truth, 
were raised in slavery, so their religious views were at times um, not entirely biblical. Sojourner Truth actually joined a cult for a period of time and then left. And that's something I talk about in the book because she didn't, she was not allowed to go to church. She was not allowed to read the Bible. So she didn't know, you know, what was truth. So, and then she was able to figure that out and, you know, join the Christian ranks. So. Uh, those are good books, but you do want to be aware, like maybe read them aloud with your kids. Um, okay. And those also skip uh, a lot of the abuse that those mm. women endured. So they, mm. it's not graphic again. Okay. Well, I really like, as you're talking, I really like that we can have some very deep, but very important conversations with our kids about where is God when we are suffering, can God be present with us and redeeming our suffering and our trials? And, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about other examples of people we know, maybe personally, who have been through incredibly difficult circumstances, yet um, their faith sustained them. And then let's talk about as you're really uh, bringing up with the suggestions for older students, let's talk about how we can get um, off track with our faith because we aren't attending church, because we aren't in scripture, and we can believe um, things that are just aren't true about God and about our role um, in life, you know, what we're here for. So I, I think that your books would be a great jumping off point for talking about these really, really critical issues that we might not spend enough time on. Yeah, it. Um, I think it is important that we talk to our kids about, uh, I, I, you know, I, I wrote Bible Road Trip, which is a three-year uh, survey of the Bible for preschool to high school at different levels. I think it's so important our kids know what the Bible says, mm -hmm. but it's also important that they're able to apply it and think through it. So like when I wrote the Underground Railroad, one of the things that I found I really needed to address was um, when is civil disobedience biblical? Hmm. That was <laughs> that I was yeah. like, oh, OK, I'm going to address this for seven <laughs> to 11 year olds. Um, right. <laughs> So I did, because God's yeah. word does. You know, there are people in God's word who um, disobey the government. And so I was able to talk about, like, this is uh, when civil disobedience is appropriate. And this is how the abolitionists thought of it. Um, and this is how they viewed it. And this is how other people saw the Underground Railroad who were Christians. So, you know, without necessarily... Uh, presenting an entire conclusion, I'm able to, because we do have to do what is um, our conscience, you know, we have to live our conscience. And, um, you know, if we don't, that's obviously sin. So, right. but we need to be bil biblical about it. And I thought, you know, this is something that many generations of Christians maybe could have benefited from mm -hmm. in the last three years, like thinking yeah. civil disobedience and when is it okay? So. Right, right. Yes. I mean, many times we have had the opportunity to confront that issue 
Mm -hmm. um, even in recent history, as you're mentioning. So I, I think that's a great topic for a conversation with our kids and certainly one that should really gain the interest of our teens because yeah. they're, you know, entering that period of life where they're going to have to make those kinds of decisions for themselves. So I love that it's such an applicable subject that you're teaching and that it is your desire that kids would apply what they have learned. You know, history, as you are well aware from your writing, is what we need to rely on in order to make decisions in the here and now. So um, I really appreciate that. And I know that people who are listening are very interested in checking out these new titles. Can you give us the exact titles of these books and the best place to find them? Sure. Um, so where to find them? I have a book page at um, who, what, why series.com. And you'll find purchase links to multiple places there, um, information about it, um, links to our interviews. Um, so the first title is Who Were the Abolitionists? Um, again, it has 10 people. Um, there's Granville Sharp, Phyllis Wheatley, Alauda, Alada, Equiano, um, Thomas Clarkson, William Wilberforce, Zachary McCauley, William Nibb, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, and Harriet Tubman are all detailed in there. Um, what was the Underground Railroad? Um, and then why did slavery end? And uh, those are all from Christian Focus Publications. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, I'm looking forward to those being released and all of the things that uh, Danica has been mentioning, including that URL where she is directing us to look up these titles will be in the show notes for this episode. But I am just grateful that you came again to talk with us about the next titles in the series. And do you have more titles planned in the future? I do. So um, the Exodus uh movement so it was a movement of god but uh that's already written um and being illustrated right now so that would probably come out next fall and then uh we're working on on jesus so in the new testament um and then we will continue to cycle through history um and we're talking about expanding the series so um we'll see how that goes so um, i'm pretty excited about it well, absolutely. You should be. That is neat. You're not going to run out of things to write about for no. sure. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today and let us know what's going on with this fantastic series. Thank you for having me, Melanie. To find the link to Reading Eggs and the Who, What, Why series, go to homeschoolsanity.com slash underground. Have a happy homeschool week. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope something you heard was encouraging. If you have a personal question to follow up, don't hesitate to message me. I'm at Homeschool Sanity on social media. Be sure to check my free resource page at homeschoolsanity.com slash resource 
and find Sanity Saving Curriculum at fundalearnbooks.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.